thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to Wellness Women Radio with women's health experts, Dr. Ashley Bond, the pregnancy and birthing guru, and the queen of hormone imbalances, the period whisperer herself, Dr. Andrea Huddleston. They're raising the bar for women's health by bringing you the most up-to-date health and wellness information to live your best life. Now, onto the show. This episode of Wellness Women Radio is very proudly brought to you by Dinner Twist. Dr. Ashley and I want to let you in on a little secret of how we maintain our healthy whole foods lifestyle with very little time. And one of those ways is actually with Dinner Twist. So they plan, they shop, they deliver everything to our door to take all of the guesswork out of having really healthy meals for dinner each night. Um, I love Dinner Twist because they are a locally family-owned business here in Perth in Western Australia, and all of their produce is locally sourced and seasonal. So they are really invested in all of their suppliers as well, which is absolutely amazing. Everything is so fresh. Uh, Ashley and I both get the Wholesome Box, which is naturally gluten and dairy-free as well, and is very consistent with a paleo-type lifestyle as well. Uh, so it's, you know, completely consistent with, you know, the way that we want to eat and want to feed our loved ones too. This is also how I trick Dean into thinking that I can actually cook. So seriously, if I can do it, everybody can trust me. And their recipes are so delicious. They also have other options apart from the wholesome box. So they have a family box for bigger size families an express box. If you're really short on time, uh, as well as a vegan box too. Now, we would love to give you the opportunity for you to actually try Dinner Twist and realize how healthy, how delicious and how fresh it is, but also how much easier this is going to make life as well. So we have a special promo code for you, and that is going to give you $35 off your first box. And that is WWR for Wellness Women Radio. Um, So we would love you to uh, try for yourself. Don't take my word for it, but let me know what you think. Without further ado, ladies, onto the show. Hey there, thank you so much for joining us on Wellness Room Radio. I'm Ashley. And I'm Andrea. And don't forget to follow us on all of our social media handles. So I am The Period Whisperer on Facebook, DrAndrea.xo on Instagram, and Ashley is Dr. Ashley Bond on everything. Um, thanks so much for coming back and joining us again. Um, I am really excited about putting out the information that we're going to put out there tonight, Ash. I want to give you a little... Um, a little funny story about uh, some stuff that we're going to talk about tonight and just um, to, you know, not keep you in suspense. Ladies, this topic tonight is all about perimenopausal and menopausal weight gain. And we I've had so many women come in over the last few years um, who are in that kind of perimenopausal transition um, just saying I've always been you know let's say 65 kilos my whole life and now my body is changing I'm not eating differently I'm not exercising differently there's nothing different but all of a sudden now I'm 75 kilos and I cannot shift it I don't recognize this body it's so different and that is the really classic information that women tell me. And then on um, TV in Perth this week, there was a show on called something, I think it was something along the lines of like the secret of menopause or, or something along those lines. And one of my staff came in to the practice um, on Wednesday morning just saying, 
I've watched this horror show, the like scariest show that I've ever seen. And here I am expecting her to say something like, you know, like ghost stories or, you know, something demonic or something along those lines. But no, it's all about all of the horrific changes that happen to a woman's body and how women have to suffer through, you know, obviously perimenopause and menopause and how it really is just a really fast road to, you know, Alzheimer's and dementia and it's all over. Like that that's pretty much the summation of it. So oh. memory loss, cognitive decline, um, vaginal atrophy, weight gain, obesity, diabetes, um, you know, low libido and all of those sorts of things. And I just thought, okay, we like ladies, we need to have a conversation about this. And because this issue of the weight gain in particular is so prevalent. I want you to have a really good understanding of the mechanisms that causes this and therefore what you can do to address it. Um, so well, Ash, I, I have that no was... doubt that you're right, that it's the number one issue because when I was doing some research for this, um, anytime I opened anything up regarding menopause, perimenopause, all over my screen on all the edges starts popping up adverts for meals, this protein, that, weight loss pills, like insane amounts of targeted um, advertising, which is just so interesting, right? Because I was like, well, that, that's the answer right there. You know, they're looking for keyword searches. There's so much smarter, you know, things going on behind these AI machines that are telling us what we're looking for. Um, and I thought, well, if that's the frequency, you know, of hits and I can't open anything now, I think my my my, my whole um, search engine is going to be flooded with anything related to like weight loss pills and potions now is just so disturbing um and also like reinforcing right the problem it's just that thing of going oh you know you really do have a problem and look here's a solution take this pill and it's just so disappointing to see that you know instead of real practical holistic advice um yeah it's just targeted with with pills which is um fascinating but you know scary at the same time i was a bit, a bit kind of taken aback i this not too often I, I search things and end up being flooded with with advertising, and that yeah. was one of those things that really obviously hits a, a big market. Um, yeah, fascinating. Very, very, very interesting. Um, and no wonder it's so hard for women to get really good, decent information, uh, mm. particularly about anything to do with their hormones because of those crazy algorithms and um, how good that advertising is until um, I actually get some decent studies. You really have to dig deep and search for that sort of information. Um, oh, and all of our time. algorithms right oh. now um, Ash, are going to be, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like the hormonal stuff, um, it's going to be weight loss drugs and everything else. So I'm going to have to very specifically make sure I change all of my search um, parameters. <laughs> to steer yeah. away from that um, because otherwise like when you see something enough you get that subliminal messaging of is do i have a problem do i need to start thinking about this like is this <laughs> oh strange and i found it really interesting too so ladies if you're struggling to find good information don't be surprised because we've been hitting some walls um at different topics and this is one of those and i even found that um you know just looking for literature and research uh as i was scrolling through um, it's interesting because I've got a uh, we've got a VPN um, mm-hmm. sort of like protection network, so it does block a lot of things, which is great. But I didn't realise how many of some of the top hits and links, um, even in the research sector, are sponsored. 
because mm-hmm. I went to hit them and it showed that it was an external like I was like what and then I looked back I'm like oh it's a sponsored link oh how bizarre um, yeah. I'm not really sure I've opened you know sponsored links in top hits of research searches before <laughs> I might have to rethink my search engine anyway this is all on the side the point ladies but I think it's probably just trying to highlight to you as well that if you can't find good information or you feel like you're only getting the same information which relates to the same and what we're going to talk about tonight contradicts that mm-hmm. i think it's you know going to be a, a clash of the search engines really is basically we're, we're looking for information that's valid that's accurate supported by science data and research not sponsored information that's designed to be top hit so it reinforces all the fears you know phobias and the insecurities that you're going to have um, and provides you with a product to purchase straight away so hopefully this episode will help you filter through the fluff and get some uh, some good information i think there's some really cool stuff to share so let's get into it okay so um ladies look is it any wonder that this is such a emotive topic for women because obviously perimenopause um is that very tumultuous transition for women um, because of the hormonal shifts are happening. It's very much this no man's land between, you know, your fertile years and then their transition completely out of that because sometimes you're ovulating, sometimes you're not. There can be all sorts of changes that are going on that can be unlike things that you've ever had before. Couple that with changes to your metabolism um, and all of a sudden you having this body that you don't recognize anymore. And that can be really disturbing for women, especially in, you know, particularly because of the things that we prioritize in, in Western culture. Um, but I, I think also because of the fact that um, obesity, gaining weight, all of those sorts of things are so consistent with very poor health outcomes as well and are independent risk factors for so many things that it's important for us to be maintaining what would be a healthy um I'm not going to say BMI because um, we've debunked that on previous uh, podcast episodes, that's for sure, but a, a healthy um, you know, body fat percentage and a healthy um, muscle mass and everything else that, that's appropriate for that woman. And it does depend, you know, it is independent from woman to woman. Now, during perimenopause, this is obviously when um, we have the the first hormonal changes that happen is a reduction of um, progesterone. We sometimes will have this sudden surge of estrogen with either increased androgens or decreased androgens. And then over time, we do get a, a decrease of, of estrogens. And estrogen is incredibly metabolically active. Um it is the um, it's the hormone that's also responsible for the actions of certain hunger signals. So it actually inhibits certain hunger signals. Um, it prevents the consumption of ex- excess calories. Um, it is like I said, it's metabolically active, which means that it helps improve and promote good metabolic function. And so when we get this decline in estrogen not only is it affecting those hunger signals and everything else, but it's also changing our body composition. So we get this shift and this um, what can be a bit of a breakdown of proteins in our system, which um, actually starts to decrease our lean muscle mass as well. So then we have higher rates of adipose adipose tissue or, you know, fat tissue. And it's really interesting that the body is – when it's needing more estrogen, then, you know, fat is always a really great source of that. 
And the body's so, so clever in the sense that if it needs more of a certain thing, it'll have a way to create it. And I always just wonder that um, if, you know, that there's certain hormones that are required, are we putting, um, you know, fat tissue in certain places so that it can be that source of estrogen for our system? But it's a very different type of estrogen than that is um, that we're, what we need that is really metabolically active. Actually, I don't know if I'm making any sense there. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, yeah, I, I can – Yep, I know where you're going. Um, I need. I, I will get this very succinct, but yeah. Anyway, please cut in. <laughs> no, no. So long story short, is that reduction or that intermittent reduction of estrogen, um, which is also related to the intermittent increases of um, FSH, will create what they call enhanced muscle breakdown. So yep. essentially, so much more succinct. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we're such a great team because I'm just like waffling here going, this is what I'm trying to say and you've just summed it up beautifully. Yeah, and so then what happens is you get um, you get hormonal signals that come from the muscle um, or the liver, depending on the direct uh, need of it, and that will create an increase in appetite. Now, it's actually an enhanced protein appetite, which is what's been hypothesized mm. um, in recent research. However, that distinction can be hard. So unfortunately for us, it will signal appetite which will mean that most people will tend to go towards fats and carbohydrates um even though you know protein comparatively makes a smaller component of nutrition around 15 percent um yeah so i think the short story of that is if our diet isn't matching the needs of this breakdown that's occurring then we're going to start to lay down fat in areas of the body which are designed to be storage and usable Mm -hmm. and in women that will become abdominal and visceral fat and you'll tend to see a a removal or reduction of fat around the bum hips and thighs now Mm -hmm. that sounds good but unfortunately we know that that abdominal that visceral fat is actually related to most of the health issues that will occur in the menopausal stage such as um, obviously obesity which triggers risks in cardiovascular disease cancer diabetes uh, so there's you know really important implications there and this is why it's often encouraged for women to find their ideal mass in their early 40s um, their ideal body composition because this can actually be protective against this um, increase in fat decrease in muscle uh, that can occur around perimenopause, which usually happens somewhere between, you know, 40 and 50. So um, that's, yeah, that's, you know, the the basis of it. Um, there is some literature that came out from an Australian uh, research group and they were looking at something called the pro- protein leverage effect. Mm. Now, their initial research was founded in, in obesity, you know, to try and work out what's going on with the obesity crisis and how we can help to affect, you know, the epidemic of obesity. And their hormonal research actually then started to go, well, hang on, there's an application of this information, um, extending that into this understanding of how that could um be implicated in this menopause transition. So I'm really grateful for that sort of information because I think that is definitely a a shift in thinking around uh, what women actually need, you know, in terms of dietary guidelines, dietary Mm. advice, specifically in this demographic, in the perimenopause stage, Um, because this is where you get into those those arguments. You don't say, oh, no, but this diet's better for women. Don't do this. And intermittent fasting doesn't work. And um, no, we shouldn't be doing paleo and 
and keto and all this sort of stuff. But as you can see, based on these hormonal changes that are occurring throughout our life cycle, there will be different dietary requirements that are more suitable at different times in our life. And I find that really interesting. So this is an is a, an age and stage of life where we might find that a ketogenic diet or a paleo diet will have more impact on maintaining um, optimal body mass compared to other times in life. So, you know, there are important understandings as to why we should be potentially varying our dietary advice based on the age and stage of each woman. And Ash, it's interesting that if we look historically at the women that we've got coming through sort of perimenopause and maybe struggling with menopause at the moment, is that over the last oh probably five to ten years, there's been that really big push for more sort of a plant-based diet. We've seen mm. a lot of people sort of move into vegetarian or vegan lifestyles, and some women can do it really, really well, but others um, maybe not so much. And I'm wondering if that is also contributing to um, a lot of the symptoms that they're getting nowadays because it can be really quite difficult to meet your protein requirements if, you know, you're just trying to go it alone, really. Mm -hmm. Um, And, Ash, I do absolutely find that the women who um, do have naturally higher protein intake and have been eating in a similar sort of paleo-type way for a long time tend to fare a little bit easier through this transition with some tweaks. Brilliant. And that's a great observation because that tends to fit with um, this information that's mm. relatively new, which is, you know, again, moving with the, with each age and stage of uh, research that comes along. You know, 10 years ago, this wouldn't have been a conversation. We were still on that low-fat, no-fat um, sort of diet promotion, and clearly that's not going to be as successful um, in women in the perimenopausal stage. You know, um, optimal amounts of clean, lean, uh, quality fats uh, coupled with quality protein is going to give us the best outcomes from a hormonal perspective. But it's another- more satiating as well. Absolutely. So remember, you know, that that increased um, hunger, the appetite is not actually for all foods. It's mm. primarily showing that it eats is specifically for protein relating to this protein breakdown that's actually occurring. So um, I think that's, you know, that's definitely something I want you to all take away from tonight is consider your protein sources, you know, consider how much your protein um, you're consuming in your diet. And that doesn't mean running out and buying protein powder, please. Yeah. <laughs> please yeah. don't hear it as that message. Um, you know, we need to, need to look at lean plant and obviously um, animal-based sources of clean protein. Uh, what are your favorite sources just to give some sort of tips? at this point um well obviously for those who are eating animal protein um eggs fish but like locally caught um fish or wild caught things like you know alaskan salmon if it's wild caught then that's amazing um because you're getting both a really good omega um fatty acids and um, those sorts of things from that salmon as well um lean cuts of grass-fed grass-finished you know, beef and lamb, um, you know, in Australia, we've got kangaroo, which is really, really lean um, and very sustainable here for us as well. Um, what else, Ash? Uh, in terms of protein powders, I always go towards um, pea or hemp protein for mm. anyone who's plant-based. Um, yeah. And look, you can argue the toss on 
on protein powders, but these two in particular are usually without any other additives, fillers, flavors, or anything else. So I'm just mm-hmm. talking about the raw state um, because I'm not a big fan of protein powders in general. When you look at all the constituents and the other ingredients in it, uh, there's just so many things in there that we don't want to be consuming. Um, you know, you'll even find things like palm oil in there. It's just like <laughs> we don't need this. This shouldn't be in our, our food and our diet. Okay. So if you can, as much as possible, just find 100% uh, you know clean hemp protein is my preferred but there's there's other alternatives as well if you don't like the flavor i tend to find it's the most easy to go through um like i put you can put it through oats through a smoothie like it's quite easy to, mm. to increase and add into things um i also like the idea of a collagen protein for women at this age mm, because it's yeah. sort of addressing a lot of other things as well and a- aiding with some great skin benefits and other things too so you can get really nice clean um you know grass-fed sources of collagen protein um, too that you could be using in a smoothie or something along those lines if required. Um, Mm. Obviously, we are always of this opinion that you don't get health from a tub. However, um, you know, if if you do struggle to get your protein intake to be adequate, then that is probably a good option in the interim. Yeah, absolutely. And while we're in the sort of task, um, you know, conversation of uh, the – the diet um, one of the other recommendations relates to a reduction in overall daily calories by about um, eight to ten percent so you know that's where i've seen now it sort of penny drop was like ah makes sense why all those branded you know food suppliers weight watchers lean cuisine all that sort of stuff can be so successful for some women in this age group albeit temporarily is often the case but you know it provides some degree of success because there's no doubt that those programs will reduce the calorie intake they'll absolutely you know bring it down by 10 percent and bring those meal sizes down which you know typically may not have produced any sort of weight gain but what we tend to find is that women who have been very stable in their dietary choices their general you know activity levels and their general calorie intake all of a sudden in this perimenopausal stage those factors have not changed but their weight has exactly and they're saying this is not fair i'm doing exactly the same thing as i've always done no you know i'm not eating anymore i'm actually eating cleaner and it's still not changing um so yeah just considering the the reality that potentially if you consciously look at a 10 percent decrease in calorie intake on a daily basis you will have more success with that weight weight loss um, or weight management um because of the fact that your body is not metabolizing the same way so you can still be Mm. eating the same and exercising the same but you need less uh, less calories in each day. So it's a bit hard, right, because we're not going to – we don't really want to promote a dieting culture. You know, we've never, never actively promoted a dieting culture. So this is trying not to fall into a mindset of dieting. What it is is saying, well, my body needs a little bit less at this stage in my life, mm-hmm. so I need to just take out, say, one piece of fruit or I need to take out that extra snack that I have normally mm. in the afternoon. It's just one small um meal removed so usually i find it's a snack and it's as simple as a piece of fruit for most women so when you think about it like that it's not such a big stretch but if you start to think about it like oh i've got to change my whole diet and you know i need to reduce my calories then that can become quite overwhelming and start fixating on um what i would call an unhealthy diet dieting culture and i, I prefer us to think in a whole foods whole nutrition space not um you know and eating for the body's needs not going and depriving ourselves of um of yeah, enjoyment just by the fact that we start calorie counting. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, um, thank you for clarifying that, Ash. Certainly the purpose of this episode is just for women to understand the mechanisms mm. of why their body can make, um, or why their body makes some of these changes at this point. Um, and it also doesn't mean that they absolutely have to run out and start on, you know, hormone replacement therapy or all of those sorts of things, because there's absolutely diet and lifestyle changes that can just help them to feel like they still have that control of their body. And the reason um, there's a few mechanisms in play that affect that metabolic rate, like you were talking about, um, and why women just can't um, sort of get away with the exact same things year in and year out is because that as we age, our fasting glucose levels tend to creep up, but our, our thyroid function also slows down. So we get this slow rise in our fasting glucose levels, which means that we need less of the carbohydrates, which also increases this relative insulin resistance that we have, which is good for fat storage. And with our thyroid slowing down, again, that's a shift in our metabolic rate as well. And then with that preferential increase of that abdominal obesity that we get, so that fat storage sort of around our midsection with the reduction in muscle strength, that is this perfect storm of insulin resistance, which um, increases our inflammatory markers, increases, you know, some of the bad cholesterols. And with that increased inflammation, it's this cyclical thing of increasing inflammation and insulin, um, like what we've talked about on our, on previous episodes before. So then we start to get this reduction in muscle strength and function, which means that our normal lean muscle is just not firing quite the same way if we don't keep up, um, with challenging things for it to do. Um, again, does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, it's really important to consider all the factors that can support um, this stage of our life. And, you know, I, referring into some of the, the literature findings as well, a couple of other key points to take home. Um, one of those is that a high-protein diet, so around 30% of daily energy intake, um, not only improves improved weight loss but it was also more effective in preserving lean muscle mass mm -hmm. than any other diet and i think that's a really important stage um you know of our life to go okay well if i'm ever going to shift my diet and make a direct and intentional change this is a really good time to do so because not only that if you then combine in some physical activity um inclusive of weights um, mm -hmm. and weight training you're going to stabilize lean muscle mass and it will relate to improved bone mineral density um which you know again critical markers of health and well-being as we age um so you know the research is really clear and I, i'm definitely going to you know adopt um that information in any recommendations i'm making for women in perimenopausal space because it's quite clear and i look forward to larger studies you know confirming this but i think this really does just lean into this idea that whenever you've seen um, big pushes for ketogenic and paleo diets you can now probably start to understand why so many women at this age and stage do find it successful i must say of all the ages of the women that i've worked with this is an age group um you know the perimenopausal space it tends to have the most success with yeah. these diets and they get yeah. thrilled like oh my god i just lost you know five kilos i lost 10 kilos and it wasn't that hard and yet they've yeah. been really fighting an uphill battle for a period of time and that they're mm -hmm. usually the, the loudest proudest proponents of um, a specific diet but it doesn't have to be called a diet of any sort i always just say you know eat lean eat clean and then consider where your sources 
approach I'm coming from, and that would be calling a, you know a healthy lifestyle. Yes, absolutely. And Ash, those are the that is the I guess the the treatment sort of strategy approach that I take with these this group of women that's quite different from other sort of age groups and hormonal status as well. And this mm. is the time where we do actually do some quite detailed body composition testing as well. So um, this might be you know um, looking at their um, body fat percentage and their lean muscle mass and their active body tissue and everything else. Or we, we might do like a body composition DEXA scan or something like that mm. so that we can absolutely get their basal metabolic rate right. We can get their, you know, protein intake. We can get all of those levels absolutely right and then make sure that they're matching that with the right appropriate exercise for them, which is usually a little bit more than maybe what women have been doing before. And what I normally see um, on women's food diaries is, um, you know, for example, if we just look at breakfast, First, it might be things like they they went for a walk in the morning, which is fantastic. They're moving their body, um, but there's no sort of weight bearing stuff. It, it's just you know cardiovascular things. They've come home and they're having um, you know oats for breakfast um, with fruit on top and a coffee. So you know really high carbohydrate intake. Yes, there's great fiber and all sorts of things in there, but it's not actually helping them with their protein intake and they're not doing any weight-bearing exercise. So this is the time where I'm much more um, specific about their absolute food intake um, and getting very, very specific on things like portion sizes and macronutrient balances and everything else because um, we do have to be just more finicky at this time because we can get away with less, unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah, and so it takes, it takes a little bit of work, I think, is what we're, we're getting to, that unfortunately it's not, not the easy part uh, to go in through perimenopause and think that the things you've done before are going to work automatically. Um, it takes more attention to detail, more, more attention to sort of daily habits and behaviours. I'm also going to throw in there the idea that we really, really, really must knuckle down um, on our environmental uh, factors, and this includes all of our estrogenic compounds so anything that's an endocrine disrupting chemical is going to have a major impact on how we progress through perimenopause to menopause Um, i tend to find women who have got high uh, edc loads they suffer more with menopausal symptoms i'm sure you've noticed that as well so the safest place to put those things is in adipose tissue and fat so yeah. adipose tissue or, you know, and and or fat. Um, and yeah, so ladies, if you haven't heard of this concept, go and have a look up some of our episodes regarding sort of low-tox lifestyles, um, mm. you know, low-chemical lifestyles, anything that discusses um, substitutions for conventional um, products, including beauty, skin, household cleaners, um, you know, just, just the general exposures of chemicals. And there are literally tens of thousands of synthesized chemicals which are interrupting and, and disrupting our hormone balance. So um, it's not going to be easy to avoid everything. But if you can avoid some of the key players like phthalates, um, then you're going to have a much more significant and successful response to this stage of Mm. hormonal uh, change without those environmental factors causing havoc and, um, and exacerbating symptoms that may be related at this age. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and also will be decreasing your risk factors for all of the, you know, all the nasty things that kind of tend to pop up around that time as well. Um, yeah. Okay, so ladies, just to summarise, the key things to pay attention to if you are experiencing this perimenopausal or menopausal weight gain is absolutely your protein intake, your clean protein sources, making sure that approximately, or I would say at a minimum, 30% of your calories are coming from protein intake, mm-hmm. making sure you're having protein with each and every meal, and that you're prioritizing weight-bearing exercise over, for example, aerobic or, or cardio, um, I would suggest trying to really challenge yourself doing different things with weight-bearing exercise um, so that you're using parts of your body that um, are, are just a little bit more challenging, which is also going to help with you know bone mineral density and it's just protective against all factors. So those are the two key components. Um, this is sometimes the one and only time in a woman's life where I'll get them to actually really monitor their calorie intake, but for a short period of time. And it's only to make sure that we're getting things right. Um, but you, you certainly do not have to suffer um, thinking that, um, you know, your body is just out of control now and that you'll never feel the way you want to ever again. And there's lots of other tricks and, and everything else that we can do to, to get things on track. But those are the two absolute keys to keeping that good metabolic function. I absolutely agree with you. And just uh, on the same sort of pathways and don't forget your water intake as well. I tend to find a lot mm-hmm. of women around this um, stage are noticing that they have a decrease in uh, the need or the, the feelings of thirst. So you sometimes have to force your body. <laughs> you need to uh, you need to make sure that you fill those bottles up and get through at least two to three litres of uh, fresh, clean, purified water each day. Yeah, perfect. Um, Oh, and don't forget to obviously monitor your environmental um, toxic load as well. Okay, so ladies, you have been listening to Wellness Women Radio. We are the wellness women, Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston. We are raising the bar for women's health. And until next week, be well. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.